Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And what a moment this was for the top seed. He ends up being top gun in Atlanta for the very first time. Sixth title for the American number one. He lifts the trophy, but coming up on TC Live, we have much more for you. Sasha Zverev has been very, very good this week, but was it enough to capture his 20th tour win in his hometown of Hamburg? World number one, Iga Svontek, has done just about everything in her career, but she has never done this before, and we'll explain. And after 17 years, after Stan Wawrinka won his first ever tour title, would history repeat itself for the tournament where it all started? Full highlights from the Croatian Open final ahead. And those are the headlines as we welcome you into the Tennis Channel studios. It is Championship Sunday, although for people like myself, Mark Petschy, back in my playing days, it was also known as a day off. That <laughs> is why we have a couple of champions here. Olympic gold medalist, Monica Puig, who liked that one, you like that one. And world number one, Jimmy Arias. Not one number one. You well, number five. five. I'm sorry, Jimmy. No, no, I'll take go. number one, oh, but then I would be lying. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell anybody. Yeah. It's okay. No, there you go. Well, at least I went the right way and not the, the exactly in the other way. I like Taylor that. Fritz, Monica, that was a, that was a hard-fought victory in the end. Vukic did an amazing job to take that to three sets. Just the way that Vukic was able to hang in there, knowing that he was two championship points down, was absolutely incredible. The fact that Taylor Fritz hung in there, because we know so many players, when they get to this position, they lose a couple championship points. They get down on themselves very quickly. Fritz rebounded very early, and, I mean, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. There's been a lot of talk about him. Can he win a slam? He certainly wants to make good inroads coming into this U.S. Open swing, and he did so by winning this title. Yeah, big win for him. Just to mark your car, we will be getting back out to Atlanta to show you the trophy celebration and obviously what Taylor has to say about it. A lot of pressure being American number one. You have definitely been American number one, maybe not uh, world number one, Jimmy. But from that point of view, the way that he's played after perhaps having a couple of majors in recent times that weren't that good for him was impressive here. Yeah, look, what Taylor Fritz has is a competitive drive. He loves to compete. He plays every week and he also has a lot of confidence. And that's the reason why I think he could overcome having two match points, not converting those two match points. Then having love 40 first game of the third. You can't forget about that. Not breaking serve there. That would have been discouraging for most players. But I think Taylor knows if he serves well, he's very tough to beat. And that's exactly was the case all tournament long. He lost his serve once, and he didn't lose his serve at all quarter semis, finals. Yeah, it was uh, very impressive. Over 60% of them not coming back. Vukic, let's just turn to him for a moment. Big week for the Australian. You need to have something a little bit different in your game to be uncomfortable against the great players like Taylor. Just having a look at his backhand spin rates, Monica, super flat. In fact, the flattest out of the world's top 50, Vukic. So he doesn't hit it particularly hard, but it stays low. It's awkward to play against. It's tough. I have practiced with several guys before, and they're very uncomfortable with the flatter ball. But when you see many of the top players play, they have a lot of shape. There's a lot of weight on their shots. So maybe sometimes that could 
make opponents feel uncomfortable when you definitely drive through the ball. We see Zverev do it a lot of the time, and Zverev has, in my opinion, such a great backhand through the court. But, you know, it's it's... It's a shot that I'm used to playing. I love my flat backhand, but the guys, you know, you're, you, you tend to see more slice. You tend to see a little bit more variety. So, you know, some things to work on. I've never seen a guy's shot on the tour that is under 1,000 revolutions yeah. per minute. And his backhand is under 1,000 revolutions per minute consistently. It's low and slow. Which is also strange. That's it's a Cam strange. Nori- it's Cam Norris. It is. That's a strange combination for today's players. They're used to pace, and all of a sudden they're getting nothing. And then his forehand is heavy, sometimes fast. So it's a nice contrast. That's a Cam Nori thing as well. Cam Nori's forehand's not that big, but it's very spinny, and it's totally different than his backhand. I think it's a pretty cool play from Vukic. I find it hard to believe he'll do well on slower courts. I think this quick court helped him. But then you have the blueprint with Cam. That hasn't really... I don't know how Cam's won on... I don't know how he's won on clay. I watch him play. I can't figure it out. (laughs) Well, he has been doing an excellent job. Uh, Ceiling-wise for Vukic, obviously this has been a big week for him. Expectations change. Um, Top 20, a real possibility for the Australian? I believe so. The way he's serving, the way he played this week, he's going to gain a lot of respect from his fellow opponents. Now it puts him a little bit more on the map. People have to do their homework definitely to find a way to to beat him. I feel that this week he came from behind a couple times, so needs to you know find a way to narrow those gaps so that his opponents don't really take advantage of him so early. But the sky's the limit with so many players, so many different kinds of players coming up nowadays. Why not? And let's change it back to the champion. This part of the season is obviously very congested with tournaments. It's also brutally hot. Um, You look at Taylor, obviously going to play in Washington. He's a guy that loves to play. You never quite know when the wins are going to come. Is there a danger that he could potentially overplay heading towards New York, Jimmy? I mean, if you ask his coaches, the answer would be yes. They are tired of him playing week in and week out, whether it's an exhibition, whether it's a tournament, whatever it is, Taylor wants to compete. And I think he probably doesn't love practicing or training quite as hard, so why not go play in tournaments and compete? That is part of what makes him mentally so tough. Will he burn out at some point? Maybe. That's the danger to that. But he doesn't show signs, really, that he's ever going to burn out. He loves being out on the tour. He likes being a professional tennis player. You've had ultimate success at the Olympics in in winning the gold. That is the next step for Taylor, who's quarterfinalist at Wimbledon. How do you process kind of these moments where you pick up a a pretty big title here at Atlanta and then kind of throw it forward to obviously bigger challenges coming, not just in terms of the tournaments that he's going to be playing, but of course headline acts such as Carlos Alcaraz and and Novak Djokovic? I think that the positive thing that Taylor can take out of this week is being the top seed and coming through and winning the tournament when you have all of that expectation thrown your way. He has been the talk of a lot of people for the past year. I think he needs to just continue this momentum. He needs to put his head down and keep working. Needs to feel how his body's feeling physically. We know in the U.S. Open last year, lost in the first round. So that's really where you want to peak ultimately. But it's good to see that he's playing this great tennis early on. We know that in a Grand Slam, it's three out of five. It's a little bit of a different story here. You need to start really quick to finish off the matches. But we know that there are some players on the tour that, you know, once you get to that fourth, fifth set, it becomes a different story. 
Yeah, it gets uh, a different story. It is a, a good story for Taylor as he picks up the title here. Again, I guess, Jimmy, goes back to motivation for all the American players as well, seeing somebody out there that's managing to pick up another trophy coming into Washington. They're all going to be looking to try and push on. Look, I think this group of Americans at Taylor Fritz... Uh, Tommy Paul, Francis Tiafo, Riley Opelka, even though I know he's injured, but those guys were able to push each other. That's why they've done same so in your well. era, Jimmy. Was it the same? Did no, you guys my, get on as well. Not as much because my era, sort of the best group was the McEnroe Connors, a little bit older than me, and then the group after me, Agassi Courier, and those guys. I was sort of in the middle on my own in some ways. Um, so. So but these guys have their age in the world group. and you're on your own. You should well, have come to Britain. On, on my own from the <laughs> I had no one as well, yeah. so I can identify. Yeah, it's sort of the standpoint of your contemporaries that you grew up with. I feel like if you play this group in the juniors that are all great players, you guys make each other better while you're playing in the 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s. I just thought I was a great player because I'd won so easily in the 12s, 14s, <laughs> 16s. The fact was most of the guys I was playing against weren't that good, obviously. <laughs> oh, come on, give yourself a little bit more credit. I mean, it is what it is. I was going to say, Taylor Fritz has been great all the way through his junior and his senior career. Let's get back out to Atlanta and hear what he has to say about becoming champion there for the first time. And now to present the winner's trophy, the mayor to the number one American in the world, Taylor Fritz. start out by saying congrats to or Alex Alex and his team uh, really really strong week and super super uh, tough tough final and uh, he beat a lot of amazing players this week and and I see why so congrats to you and you're definitely on the way up <laughs> then uh, Shout out to my team. Uh, keep me going all week and uh, babysit me, whatever whatever the situation is. They, uh, they're they on me, so I couldn't do it without them. So thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, I couldn't do it without you. And uh, thanks to all the volunteers at the tournament making this happen. Uh, GF Sports, Peter, uh, I just felt so welcome and at home this week in Atlanta so that's that's all you guys just doing such a good job I've been coming back here for so many years so I'm so happy to uh, to finally get the title and uh, and of course uh, the fans uh, all week the support was amazing it felt like you know, I'm not from Atlanta, but it felt like I was because the support was just was just crazy all week long, and it felt great. It just felt great having the American crowd behind me. You guys came out for for all my matches, and and it really made that uh, that extra difference. So thank you. Your 2023 Atlanta Open champion. Playing at home, some perhaps feel Taylor a little bit of extra Fritz. pressure, but Taylor Fritz certainly looks as though he enjoys the home support, and rightly so. And it's not always easy to be the hunter during the week, and that's exactly what he was during this tournament. And he's come out away with what I have to say was a pretty special trophy. That looked very nice. That was very yeah. nice. I very think different, eclectic sort I, of look. 
Yes, it was. I, I do think you're a very good player when you're supposed to win and you do exactly yep. that because it's true. You do feel a little extra pressure. All you feel is relief when the tournament's over. You don't feel as much joy. And Taylor Fritz just took care of business this week. You have a trophy cabinet? I know that you've got a medal, but do you yes. have a trophy cabinet at home? I do. I have one that's very, very nice from Strasbourg, and, you know, I put it on display in the house. It's very nice. I wanted to put flowers in it, but my husband said no, because then it's kind of ruining the trophy, because it's a, it's a very nice red vase, but, yeah, well, not allowed, apparently. Medvedev Cincinnati trophy does have flowers in it. That's what he told us uh, earlier. Uh, Daniel is not in action this week or next week in Washington. A man that was in action in Hamburg back at home was Sasha Zverev in a city with more bridges than any other in the world. It had been a tournament that had been a bridge too far for the German, but Monica, not today. I've been watching him all week, and he has looked so impressive on serve with his shot making, just altogether really solid. Jarrah is trying to look to win his third title. Also a player who's just very organized, goes about his business on the court, and just is very solid all around. But Zverev has been looking stellar this week. Didn't drop a set so far. I always thought that maybe his serve was going to wobble, maybe he was going to throw in some extra errors here and there, dealing with the pressure, but he was so mentally tough this entire week. His movement, flawless, has been looking very comfortable on the clay despite his injury at the French Open last year, moving extremely well. I don't think I've seen Zverev look this confident in a really, really long time and picks up his first title since the 2021 Tour Finals and the first German to win Hamburg in 30 years. Yeah, and that's a special trophy as well. From the rally from Championship Point from last year, you'll see a little something different. It's a sweet homecoming for Sasha. At the end of the day, this is my home. This is where I grew up. This is where I started playing tennis. And um, it was, yeah, incredible for me, incredibly emotional. And I, I can't describe it in words. So I'm just super happy right now. Yeah, the city of his uh, birthplace, and he picks up his first ever title in Hamburg. These are the active title leaders. Novak out in front with 94. Rafa on the sidelines at the moment with 92. Next, Andy Murray, Monica, who will be in Washington. But that is a nice list to be on for Sasha. It is. I mean, among so many top players in this sport, just to even be considered and be on that list, it just shows that he's put in the work. And 20 titles, that's that's not a little bit. That's That's doing your job well. And back in the world's top ten in the race, Jimmy, I know you're a big fan of his tennis. I am. I'm actually going to say something that I'm almost surprised even I'm going to say it is I'll be... That is a surprise. I know. <laughs> I'll be surprised if Zverev doesn't win at least five majors in his career. From what I just saw this week, I don't know how you beat him without him getting tight on his second serve and his forehand. So if he can figure out how to get past those two things, just really a mental thing. He covers the court. I've never seen anyone almost cover the court as well as he does. He's a taller Djokovic. He can serve huge. His backhand's amazing. His forehand is the side that he doesn't really step in and take advantage of often. But if he's relaxed, he does. I think if he could ever win one, that might free him up. And that's why I said I think he could win a, a few 
I know he's never done it yet, so it seems silly to say, but he has the game. He has the skills. Yeah, and he was mighty close against Dominic Team serving for it in that fifth set at he, the U.S. Open. He was, but the big three weren't there at that U.S. Open, so I just feel like that was a final that he didn't have to get through everybody. Does defense beat attack, or does attack beat defense? What's your philosophy in tennis? Because obviously on the perimeter today in defense, Sasha was unbelievable. I think that when Sasha is able to step into the baseline, he is way more dangerous than when he hangs out. Yes, he is very good at defense and can bring a lot of balls back. But one thing that I've noticed is that when he does get tight, he starts stepping behind that baseline and starts chasing a little bit too much and then gets tight on the forehand, has those longer rallies. I feel like when he can step up and dominate with his backhand and is starting to dictate play, he can beat anybody and does really well with transition, mixing up the angles on the court. He's a really tricky player. So... For him, I think the key is getting to offense as soon as he can. We've obviously got three surfaces out there that are pretty similar these days. There are some slight nuanced differences. Is Clay the best for Sasha? Seemingly, because he likes to stay so far back and he does cover the court and slides beautifully on that court. It's strange to think about because he's so tall and he does have a huge serve that he hasn't done a little better on the faster courts. But he likes, he's mentally a defender for whatever reason. Yeah, the height of an attacker, but the soul of a defender. That's Sasha Zverev as we take you over to Poland. And somebody else that was trying to win a title in her city of birth, that was Iga Swiatek. And Monica, she was super, super impressive. Iga Swiatek, since we saw her a couple, of, well, even last year with her magnificent run in the play court swing, has just proven time and time again why she is number one in the world. Her footwork is always on point. Her balance is always on point, and mentally she is really tough to beat. Siegmund is not an easy player. She likes to mix it up with the slice. She hits a lot of variety, is a good doubles player, feels comfortable at the net. But Iga Swiatek just takes it to every player. It doesn't matter if they are in the top five, if they're in the top 20, or even ranked below the top 100. She is mentally tough, she is physically tough, and she just proves why she is number one in the world. Had to play a couple of matches today, and she talked afterwards about the challenges at playing at home. Honestly, when I was younger, I uh, always had trouble playing at home and managing the pressure and the expectations, so I'm really happy that I played such a nice tournament here. And for sure it wasn't easy, especially yesterday, playing uh, two matches and the other one being suspended literally uh, before the the end so um so i'm happy that i could really you know stay professional and even though i always have a lot, a lot of stuff to do in warsaw uh, i wanted to uh, treat it as any other tournament and i'm glad that i did that didn't seem to distract her too much monica if we're being honest when we kind of cast our eye down the stats there i mean it's just solid tennis but we have to point out and she's 15 and 4 in tour singles finals Four of those being at the Grand Slam level, five and two in WTA 1000. Now, this is actually a pretty interesting stat. This is her first WTA 250 title, but she's just been super dominant since last year. This year is just the most consistent player on tour. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, with the changes to the WTA rules about no players in the top 30 and the way that they're going to work it, that she won't win too many 250s. What she has been doing, Jimmy, though, is winning titles. Since the start of 2022, she has played 24 events, and she has won 12 of them. That is an incredible hit rate. We needed Ash Barty because <laughs> no one else is playing at the level that Iga is playing at. I mean, she controls the center of the court. 
you've hit anything slightly indifferent. She steps up, she starts moving you side to side, and no one really has the answer to that. You can maybe find a way to hit so big that you're able to knock her off that center of the court, but there's only a couple of players that can do that. Ash Barty was the only one that could kind of hang yeah. with her with and with she different said, types of skills. Off season, didn't she say that that she was trying to prepare for Ash Barty before she retired, and she was really sad because she had practiced the slice, she had practiced the recognizing the drop shots. So it's sad for me too. I'd love to have seen it to <laughs> yeah. be honest, but unfortunately that's not know. the case. And she's yeah, you never know. That's a good point. I'm retiring is a big thing in the era that we're living. You know, in I think right we got to so. say Siegman in the yep. finals did play six hours and something I, yesterday. Absolutely, and. I know she probably didn't have a chance anyway, but I just want to make an excuse for the 53 total points to 24 <laughs> in a you know, 30-minute final. Yeah, it was a dominant performance. We've seen that from Iga over the years. She's got a champion's mentality. Somebody else that has a champion's mentality is Stan Wawrinka. Was he able to uh, win the title in UMAG that he had picked up back in 2006? Still lots more ahead on the show, including Mohamed Lani, who needed to see the trainer. Stay with us to find out. Speaking of vacation on the beach, Balki, can we get some refreshing drinks and, and some coconuts, please? There we go. Nice. This is just a good footwork. Yeah, it's good. It's not bad, right? Yeah. Balki, could you just come in, just do some footwork real quick? I should learn from you. Thank you. Actually, that kind of looks like you at the beginning of the match. Girls, the most important thing at the end of the morning, please stay. Yeah. Right? True. Not wrong at all, and it's warm and fuzzy about Eager's start. You can catch those on tennischannel.com and also on our YouTube channel. Eager, who danced her way to a 15th career title. When we return, we still have three more big finals to bring you here on TC Live. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hotlanta lived up to its name this week, as did Taylor Fritz as top seed, Jimmy. He certainly did. He dropped serve just once in the tournament, and in that first set, it was Fritz holding serve comfortably, and he was able to break down Vukic's backhand throughout much of the first set. And finally, actually broke through completely with a couple of forehand errors to take the first set and the first break of serve. Second set, Fritz continuing to hold serve comfortably game after game after game. And serving at 5-6, again, it's trouble for Vukic. He gets down double match point. Fritz misses a forehand on the first one. That shot you just saw on the second one. And as has happened all tournament long, Alexander Vukic finds a way. He fought through in this tie break as well. That was the first point one against serve in the tie break. He ends up winning that tiebreak 7-5. But the second break of the match right there at 3-all in the third. And Fritz serves it out in style. He was helped by the fact that they were new ball. And just served four bombs and shook hands. Yeah. Title. And that is his sixth career title, Monica. That was an impressive performance from him. And he is handling the mantle of being the best American male player very nicely. Yeah, he has... 
really done his job well this week is looking to continue to capitalize off of this tournament win and hopefully have a very solid hardcore season to end this year. Incredible, isn't it? Atlanta title only won by Australians or Americans. As we go over to Luzon and a couple of players who were making up the atmosphere on the WTA tour suddenly were looking for their first win on the banks of Lake Geneva, Monica. Now, Cochiaretto made the final of Auckland at the beginning of this year. She's very scrappy, very good on defense. And despite being up 3-1 in this opening set, had to battle to win it 7-5. Girl fought back in this second set to try and force the decider. She was the runner-up in this same tournament in 2021. And it was a battle right down to the very end after nearly three hours of play. Just Cochiaretto doing a good job at trying to keep Burel on her toes. At the end of the day, though, it was the Italian who picks up her first WTA title, two finals already this year. And that's what it means to her. My ranking of 30, a seed position at the US Open potentially for us. And she played over four hours longer than her opponent against that stage. Incredible effort from the Italian as we go over to Umag, where a Hall of Famer, Jimmy, was looking to recreate past glories. And he was close. He was, although Popperin serving for the first set hadn't dropped more than a couple of points that whole set on his serve. That shanked return, 15 love was the first ray of hope, and Vavrinka eventually got the break there. Set went to a tie break. Vavrinka stole the first set. Popperin was the better player for most of it, just the very end. So you thought Stan, with all his experience, is going to find a way to win. He had a chance to break first game of the second, and you thought that would end the match right there. But Popperin, to his credit, hung in there, got an early break, and this time managed to serve it out. Third set got slightly dramatic as Popperin was cramping, had an injury timeout. I think it was cramping. I don't know if he pulled the muscle, but it looked like just a cramp. He did get his leg taped, and you thought there is no chance that he's going to find a way to win this match, but I think the injury actually had some effects on Stan in the end. He got a little bit conservative, and Popperin does have huge weapons if you're conservative. And you play a man like this, it's going to be this guy holding up the trophy. Yeah, it was a tough one. You could see how disappointed Stan was. He was so close to his 17th career title, but a second one for the Australian. He's had his injury troubles throughout the course of his career proper, but he's overcome it there, Monica. Absolutely. I mean, the career high of 57 after this win. Honestly, we were watching the match. I didn't think he was going to be able to go on once he started cramping. It seemed like he stopped moving. At one point, couldn't move his his feet at all and when you see a player in that situation if you're Stan you're like okay I've got this in the bag but Popperin kept trying to fight back and you know I feel for Stan because he was in tears at the end really wanted this title but I'm really impressed with the way that he's been fighting back after all of his injuries and I, I think we're going to see him back at, at the later stages of these big tournaments in no time. Yeah, and I know these are the moments where you want to kind of talk about the champion, and Popper has done a great job, but stand back in the world's top 50 for the first time since October 2021. Do you think there's greater glories ahead, or do you think the tournament like Umag is the most realistic proposition for Stan? Hard to answer, because he did look more like Stan from the past this week than I've seen 
in, in his past few tournaments or since the, all the surgery. So can he keep that up? Maybe. Will this leave a scar, this match? Maybe, because that was a difficult one that he just lost. And he's a guy that had done so well when he gets to finals. This was a strange match for him. I got to give some credit to Popper, and I think he's a great player. I can't figure out what happened to him last year. He only he, won he five had a lot matches. Of, he had a lot of injuries last year. Okay, and yeah. a lot of losses yeah. as well. So, but his game, he's got weapons everywhere. He can open the car. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, Pete Popperin on its way in tennis. It's great to see all these new names in these weeks in particular that get an opportunity. Uh, it's pretty much time for Social Net right now. And uh, we were talking yesterday a little bit about video replays and what's right and what's wrong. Uh, this match happened a couple of uh, months ago. And I just want to get your thoughts on this, Monica. Is this fair or foul, the play that's coming up here at the net? I saw it on Twitter. I had to watch it a few yep. times, as did we to figure out what was going on. I think it's fair play because there was no way that he was moving at the time when he struck the ball. I've seen Iga a couple times. There was that talk of what she was doing was a hindrance that she started like waving her arms. Here at the end of the day, he gets up to net, all of a sudden makes this play. The ball is right there, just puts its racket up. I. I don't see why it couldn't be fair just, play. Just to clarify for everybody at home, in case it's tough for you to see, the racket goes up, the ball gets hit directly at some sort of, and it ricochets Jimmy right back onto his chest. How, mean, how would you feel in this situation? Well, considering we're all laughing because it ricocheted and hit him in the chest, I would feel horrible if it was me. Uh, but is it fair or foul? I think... It's within the rules, so yep. it's fair, unless he reached over. Yeah. And I, I suppose he didn't reach over, so it's fair. I just, it's just annoying. If you're the opponent playing against that situation and that ball, I'm a little surprised he wasn't able to, he hit it with pace rather than realizing I got to get it away from that racket. It takes some guts, too, to be that yep. close to the net when your opponent's about to hit. Especially overhead. when your racket is here and there's many parts of your body that aren't really protected. I'd be protected. terrified. I yeah. mean... No, no, that's, that, that makes it more fair. That was, a, <laughs> that was a gutsy move. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Casual I mean, as you like. I would, yeah, I would be aiming a little lower if that <laughs> happened in, in front of me. But, oh, come on. Uh, anyway, anyway. You, can make it, you can make your own minds up at home whether that was fair or foul. One of the things that we've never seen uh, on a tennis court before is the umpire needing medical treatment. This is Mohamed Leani, one of the great umpires out there, great character in the sport. You can see he's getting down from the chair to check a mark and, is, and somehow on the stairs has just cut the back of his ankle there and having a medical timeout. Do you know if they had to like give him about a minute or so to assess the injury before the MTO started? <laughs> I hope not. I hope they just went ahead and taped it right up. You can't. What a character Mohamed Layani is. He's sort of my favorite umpire. I'm, a shit, I, I'm not happy that in some ways that the umpires are going away because of yeah. with the line calling and things. But he's someone that adds color to the game. And Monica, that's going to add fuel to the fire for many people that want to have all electronic line calling, isn't it? On clay, which is coming into the ATP tour in particular in 2025, because Mohamed's not going to have to go up and down anymore. He's going he's to risk uh, not having any more injuries. I mean, I am going to miss the umpires for sure because it makes the court seem more full. But, you know, if we can keep Mo out there, you know, just having this type of personality, doing all this stuff, I just love seeing him every time he's in the chair. But uh, let's try and keep him healthy. We want to see him around for a long time.
Yeah, thankfully the trainer doing their job. Mohammed got back in the chair of professional ways. Yeah, the umpires, they, don't, they like, don't mind a bit of drama out there. Speaking of Carlos Bernardes, he said to me, Jumeur, he said, there's a guy who's got plenty of character. He has zero character when you get all electronic line calling systems. So that will be always a debate. What isn't up for debate is more live tennis on the schedule. We've headed out the, uh, the cups and the plates on Championship Sunday, but it's time to roll up the sleeves for Monday once again on the Tour of Prague. And Kitzball gets underway at 5 a.m. Eastern Time, inaugural event for the 500 level coming from Washington, kicking off at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. We've got second serve. Uh, if you haven't watched that, that is a wonderful show. Just a bit of tennis, loads of chat, get involved, uh, talk to everybody. And then coming from Mexico, we have got Los Cabos. So that's what we have for you on Monday. And we still have some featured matches for you to discuss after this. Let's cast our eyes over the featured matches that are coming on Centre Court, kicking off at 5am Eastern Time, coming from Prague. Your Stremka's on there. Daniel Collins getting back in action. Hasn't played an awful lot of tennis in 2023. Good to see her back. Andriescu, uh, McDonald, Schwartzman, oh, Svitolina up against Azarenka for a seventh time. And Bjorn Frantangelo not only coaching Madison Keys, but coming through qualifying. Setting 4-1 down in his opening round. Congratulations to Bjorn. He gets Gail Monfils in the opening round. Let's take you back to Svidalina up against Azarenka. Got her first ever win over Azarenka at Wimbledon. But obviously, Ukrainian up against the Belarusian, there's a lot riding on that and a lot of noise. Yeah, so I saw a tweet that said that Svidalina spoke to the WTA CEO, Steve Simon, that's going to make an announcement before their match that Svidalina and Azarenka are not going to have a handshake there's been a lot of talk about this. There's been a lot of back and forth. We know where Svitolina stands with her um, Russian and Belarusian opponents. I think it's fine to make the announcement because then at least at the end of the match, instead of talking about that there's no handshake, they can actually talk about the tennis and focus on the type of tennis that we are going to see. Svitolina having a lot of success lately coming back from maternity leave. She's been doing a great job. We know how hard she worked to get back to this moment. Azarenka, also a mom uh, who... You know, she wants to show that she's still here, that she's still capable of winning these big matches. It's a tough first round, but, I mean, it's entertaining, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a blockbuster in terms of the opening round. Let's hope it can be remaining towards the sport rather than the politics as we take a look at Mackie McDonald up against Diego Schwartzman. I was somewhat surprised to see that Diego got a win over Mackie on the grass recently at Queen's. He leads him 2-0. Just a few weeks ago. Yeah. It is surprising because Diego Schwartzman's had a horrible, almost full year now. He has really struggled lately. Mackie McDonald has played well in Washington. He's been a finalist here before in that event. So you would think if there's ever going to be a time for Mackie McDonald, it would have been Queens a few weeks ago. But again, he gets another shot at Diego. I think he has a good chance. That'll be an interesting match to watch, certainly. I'm a, look, anytime someone's five foot seven and under and <laughs> got ranked top 20 in the world, top they 10 get, in the they, world they in today's game. They get your attention. They get your love. They're my hero. Let's <laughs> just date it right there. And Mackie McDonald's not huge either, so this will be a match with some great points. Yeah, there will be some great points. There'll be another great week's worth of tennis here on Tennis Channel. My thanks very much to Monica Puig for her week's work in TC Live along with Jimmy Arias. It has been wonderful to host it for the very first time. It's been a, a week of firsts in the end and we look forward to having your company on Tennis Channel starting at 5am Eastern Time. We hope you can join us then.